0: We're in the, we're in the uh, third uh, message of the making of a godly man. And we've been talking about Saul and how God, uh, first of all, and he does this over and over again, not just in Saul's life, but your life and my life. And especially when you first came to uh, realize that God was getting your attention. So this is what happens. The first thing he does is he gets your attention. And you realize you need God. And he gets your attention. And once he gets your attention, then he starts instructing you on that next step, what you need to do, that next step. He doesn't give you the full picture. He gives you that next step. And then, and of course, uh, you know, I'm not spelling out the gospel here, but let me go back by way of good communication and say, when God was getting your attention, you came to realize that you needed a Savior and that Jesus is that one, Son of God, Son of Man. He came and he died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven to be in front of a holy God. And so understanding that you've been forgiven and now he has a plan for your life and he's given you the Holy Spirit to live this new life in Christ. Okay, so that he died on the cross for your sins and that he... Uh, was buried and he rose again in three days. And he proved himself. He appeared to those for 40 days. He proved himself that it was him, he was alive, and he instructed them. Okay, so I needed to communicate well the gospel. So the first thing that he did with you is he got your attention and he began instructing you in the truth. And then he gave you an assignment to do. And then with that assignment, he gave you the power to do that assignment. And then that fifth thing is that he said, go. He said, now. So why I bring that up is that as I looked at Saul's life and how God got his attention, gave him instruction, said, he said, go into the, into the city and you will be told what to do. And then there was an assignment given. The Holy Spirit gave him the power and then he went. So I believe that even as a believer, every single day God's doing that same thing. That he's getting your attention. That's why I asked this morning, um, how did he get your attention this morning? Was it creation? What what, what was it? Uh, One person back here said, in the mail, you got my IRS thing. (laughs) That got my attention. God's going to help you through that. (laughs) Uh, But he gets your attention today. He wants to get your attention and he wants to instruct you. And maybe that's going to happen here. Maybe he's already started this morning. And then he's given you a specific assignment to do. Maybe today, but he's given you personally a specific assignment. And then he's given you the power through the Holy Spirit to accomplish that assignment. And then when you are to do it, he's given that to you. So I believe that happens over and over again. Every single day. So here's my question that, um, that I was pondering. And that is... Um, How do you prove uh, something? How do do you prove it? For instance, um, uh, I can prove that Natalie and I are married. And the first thing I do is I get the document. This isn't it, but I get the document. I show you. Here's where we signed on the line. And I could prove that we were married. Um, I could also prove that... um, through the years that we've been together, and I could prove that through some of the experiences we had. I can prove that through the children we have, and they can testify, yes, this is them. And when you look at some of my children, you go, aha, that's Steve. I can tell by the way he walks. He belongs to he's Steve's kid or whatever. So um, to prove something, how do you prove something that is true for you? So just think about that for a moment. How do you prove that? Prove something, anything. Prove uh, prove the chair. Prove the chair is real. Prove the chair works. I have to sit on it. I have to show you the chair. I have so proving proving it. The reason why I'm asking this is that after Saul had this amazing experience with the Lord, um he sent Uh, the Lord sent Ananias to come and lay hands on him that he would receive his sight and that the Holy Spirit was given to him. And after he was nourished, he went and he began proving that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. So I want to ask you, how do you prove that Jesus Christ is the Son of God how does that happen? So it says that Paul then went everywhere and he did that. And he was convincing the people. So open up your scriptures to um, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And what we found then is this. Acts chapter 9, verse 20. Verse 20. So we'll read... Uh, we're I'm hoping to get through verse 30, and you know, uh, we teach here kind of a verse at a time, just to make sure that we understand what's happening. So we're gonna, so we'll go uh, 20 through 22 first, and I call this um, Saul. He's out of the gate. So if you see your uh, your notes there, uh, out of the gate, I call it right away. So immediately, immediately he preached. So this is Saul the Christ in the synagogues and that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on the name on this name in Jerusalem and has, um, and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. So it doesn't say right here how he did that. How did he go about that? But one thing I realized is that his audience was his people. They were the Jewish people. So, um, that's where he would have gone. I'm thinking with proving to them that Christ was the Messiah. So I have in your bulletin just, uh, different synonyms for Christ. And so that other word is Messiah or definitions, the anointed one. So that's, that's the one that was promised to come from God, the Messiah, um, And in that Messiah is uh, Deliverer, the one that is the Savior. So Christ, Messiah, Anointed One, Deliverer, and then Son of God, that he is the exact representation of God, that he's, even the Pharisees asked, are you the Son of God? And he said, it is as you said. And that makes him on an equal with God. And so then they said, blasphemy, right? So... Um, So that went through my mind is how then did Saul, how would have he have proven that Jesus, this Messiah, Christ, uh, anointed one, deliverer, son of God, how did he go about proving that? And so as we look at this, I want you to be asking yourself, how would you prove that to people around you? Okay, so here's what I think that Saul would have done because he was a Pharisee. He was schooled in the scriptures and the scriptures at that time were not the new Testament. So he didn't use any of that, but he would have used the old Testament, right? And so he would have gone to the document. Just like I said about Natalie and I being married, he would have gone to the document that they respected, that they believed. So where would he have gone? How would he have, uh, related that to them? So one of the things I thought was that he probably went to, um, uh, to um, uh, here it's coming to me, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, where Moses says, there will be another uh, one like me, a prophet uh, like me from among you. So I have a sneaking suspicion that in order for him to prove this to the other Jews that were there, was that he had to go back to uh, at least Moses. Now, he probably did Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, and you know. But I'm thinking, what would have related Jesus to them? And so, I think he would have went to that passage. Um, so one of the things in my mind that I thought of for the Hebrew people at that time is that they needed deliverance from Roman rule. And so I wrote down a deliverer like Moses in a warrior or, or, or a, a warrior king like David. They remember the days of glory when, when David was king and they ruled the world, right? The Hebrew people ruled and people were afraid of them. So I'm thinking in my mind that that's the kind of Messiah. That's the, that's what they were looking for. So what would he have done? He would have said somebody like this, that, that would have come. So Isaiah was another passage that came to my mind. Isaiah chapter nine, six and seven. Um, so if you want to go there, it says, cause I have uh, some other ones in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter nine, six and seven. So Christmas time, we We sing this, we uh, speak this, but for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given and the government or, or the rulership or the authority. Okay. The government will be upon his shoulders and he, his name will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, Prince of peace. Did you hear all that God stuff in there? And then he says, of the increase of his rule or his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David over his kingdom in order to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time on and forward forever, even forever And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So I wonder if he referenced this to prove that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Son of God. I wonder if this one right here, that seems to have it all there. I wonder. I wonder also... Um, when he was proving that Jesus was this Messiah, this promised one to come, if he went to Isaiah chapter fifty or 35, go to Isaiah 35. So we'll be in Isaiah a little bit. Uh, if you're not on Isaiah yet, it's about in the middle of your Bible. If you get to the Psalms, take a hard right, and um, you'll find Isaiah over there. So Isaiah 35, and look at verses 5, uh, 6. And maybe uh, seven here. Um, then the eyes of the blind will be open. I wonder if Saul would have gone to this passage. He was blind, and now he sees to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, the deliverer, the son of God, he says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped and the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb will sing for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert and parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land was springs of water and the inhabitation of the jackals where each lay there shall be reeds, uh, There shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And I wonder, I wonder if he, if he referenced this one when he was talking to his people who had Isaiah, who read out of Isaiah. Uh, I wonder if he referenced Isaiah chapter 61. Go to Isaiah chapter 61. Beginning at verse one, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Uh, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness, and the planting of the Lord that He may be glorified. I wonder if he would have gone here and and, and why why why. Would maybe he have gone there? Why would he have talked about Moses except that Jesus was healing the blind? (laughs) Like Moses in the wilderness where God, the the spirit through Moses, uh, divided the Red Sea. That Jesus walked on water. That Jesus said, all who are thirsty, uh, come to me and I will give him drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. Amen. I wonder if he would have gone there saying, he came, he was healing the blind. He was, he was doing this, the lame. He was setting captives free. Maybe he was thinking about or he heard about Christ saying, if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Maybe, even as Christ uh, referenced um, in Luke chapter 4, referenced uh, Isaiah 61, where he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. <laughs> He's appointed me to bring good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. I wonder if Paul would have gone to those scriptures. So how did he do that? How did he prove that Jesus was the Christ, the great deliverer, the promised one, the anointed one to come, even the son of God himself? Maybe he was putting those things together of what they knew. People all over knew what Jesus had done. You couldn't stop the message that was going out. I wonder. So the great deliverer like Moses, the warrior king like David, maybe he started to bring the truth of what this warrior king of kings looked like. Maybe he went to Isaiah chapter 53. So go to Isaiah chapter 53. Maybe he began telling them about the suffering servant, the one who appeared in the bright light and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The one that Saul was putting to death and putting into prison people that were believing that Jesus was the Son of God or is the Son of God and that he was crucified and he rose again. (laughs) so Isaiah chapter 53 beginning in verse 4 surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughters of sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I wonder, I wonder what Paul was teaching in those synagogues to prove that Jesus was the Christ the son of God I wonder if Paul in the synagogues told his story now if we read further on we find out that Paul Saul Paul is his Greek name Saul is his Hebrew name he he was uh, he had both tickets <laughs> you could say um he was a citizen in both the worlds there but he, would he have shared his own story right there? Maybe he went through, this is Christ, this is the promised one. See, he's been healing. And then would he have gone to, he appeared to me in this light. And he caused me to go blind. And when I was fasting and praying for three days, he, he showed me this vision that uh, a man named Ananias would come and lay hands on me and pray for me. And I would become uh, seeing again. And the Holy Spirit would come upon me. I wonder if he shared that and just said, and this is what happened to me. My life is changed. I'm no longer that one that is against God, against Christ. I am a new creation. I wonder. So then I kept thinking about how would I explain? And I'm thinking it might be similar that I would, uh, whoever uh, would need to know about Christ, he is all authority, all authority has been given to him, Um, that he is life, that he brought life to you and me, he brought forgiveness of sin through believing in him and the Holy Spirit power to live this life, that I would use the scriptures and I would say, I got nothing in myself, but this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that I would show people in the scripture, maybe kind of like what we did, and say, could you read this? Because I believe this is the true word of God, that God has given us his message. You bet. That, to me, would be the authentic and most powerful thing that I could do is, if somebody really wants to know and... I'm supposed to prove that Jesus is that deliverer. Jesus, Through Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is the answer for your life, for everything. That I would look up those scriptures to piece that together and say, do you believe this? Because this is what I believe. And then, how would I prove that my life has been changed because of that message? Would I be able to say... This is what I used to be, and this is where I am now. I don't know. Some of you, you grew up uh, in, in nice homes that taught the Bible, and ever since you remember, you were saved. You just you grew up and you agreed, and just even as teenagers, maybe you, you slipped, but you came back to that true teaching, and you said, yes. And so maybe there wasn't, I was before too much, but you know in your heart that without, Christ without the holy spirit you would be just as wicked as the world you know that and you'd say no so then i was i was just thinking how would i how would i prove like saul had a story of his conversion do i have a story do you have a story that i was once blind <laughs> and now i see the truth now just like we pray over our kids We pray that the words that we use, be the word of God, would be backed up by our actions. That's the true teaching. And so then, whoever I'm trying to prove that Jesus is the Christ, he's the answer. This life is transformed. There should be evidence happening that I'm not the same that I was last year but I'm seeking God with all my heart. I'm depending on him more and more. That kind of change, that kind of change. And for a long time for me, I couldn't do that. I didn't see much change. And it's like, I I, I can't tell somebody about Jesus because I I don't see much change going on here. I dressed up, I started going to church. I started doing that thing. But I knew there was, the knowledge that I was getting had to be my life. It had to become more and more of me. And I'm not talking perfection, you know what I mean. It's this transformation, this transformed life because God is proving every day to you and me that he is the Christ. He is the breath that you breathe. So we were just looking at Saul going, I wonder how he proved. It says here that Immediately, in verse 20, Acts chapter 9, immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. And then in verse 22, it says, but Saul increased all the more in strength and he confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. So Saul had it uh, a little bit better than Peter and the others, he, he was a Pharisee. He grew up with all the memorizing of the Torah and he had it all. And so what better, what better person that God would transform a Pharisee and get him to go into the synagogues and just refute all of that teaching that they were saying, that the rulers were saying that Jesus is not the Christ. And he was saying, he is. Wow. Yeah, so in a way, uh, God pulled out the big ammunition and he got hold of Saul. And the the interesting thing to me is that all the passion that Saul appeared to have for destroying the people of God, that same passion came over here. (laughs) And he's just all in. Get out of the way. Sit down or shut up. You know, that kind of just... But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit uh, is fully, uh, fully comes upon us, we have no fear. And that's why we keep asking, Lord, fill me. We have no fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. And then uh, fruits of the spirit, right? The way we conduct our lives. um, Galatians chapter five, love. Just ekes out of us that 's just who we are. we just agape we, we love people even when we aren 't we don 't get it back love joy, wipe that smile off your face? You should be crying. this should be horrible, and you 've got joy, joy inside, maybe love, joy, peace, peace of god, peace, love, joy, peace, patience, hey, hey, there it is. that would prove something, hey. <laughs> patience, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and that four-letter word, self-control, (laughs) self-control, fruits of the Spirit, uh, evidence of the Holy Spirit uh, by way of conduct as we live our lives on assignment, whatever that is for you and for me. So, it seems to me that not only Saul did this, but he proved Jesus Christ, the deliverer, the Son of God, by way of Scripture, and he proved it by saying, my life has changed. That you and I are in that process of saying, you know what, I'm going to church now. I never used to go to church. <laughs> you know, I didn't for all." I'm going to church and I'm, I'm getting involved and I'm, I'm reading and I'm, so there's, you know, however that looks for you, that it has to come down to this also has to be changed, not just the knowledge of scripture. So here's Saul out of the gate in his personality. He's blowing the, the, the Jews out of the water with Jesus Christ, proving that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one to come. So there's the the Jews sitting there. I'm thinking it might have been the same synagogue that he has papers to go to that synagogue and then they would look for people that were talking like Saul and arrest them and take them back to Jerusalem. And so I'm wondering, they're scratching their heads maybe going, uh, what was your assignment, Saul? I thought you were, and you know, what is he doing? He's doing just the opposite Of what he was supposed to do. The man's lost it. Something's happened to him. And they said. We've got to stop this. We've got to stop this. So right out of the gate. He caused this disturbance. In verse 23. We're back in Acts chapter 9. So much so. that There was a threat on his life. And like God does. An amazing thing is that. God would send. Ananias to help Saul in his life. Well, God had some dedicated disciples that believed him, that helped him. Verse 23 through 25. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. Devoted, dedicated disciples do stuff like that. They help, uh, they help others along the way and they risk it themselves. So then I started thinking about myself, man, am I known to be a, devoted dedicated disciple i mean is that evident wherever i am how how quick do people find out when they if they're strangers or not how quick do they find out that i'm a jesus follower and the, and the truth is is that unless people believe in christ they're going to perish and if i'm quiet about who i am in in, in christ or what i believe I'm just sending them on their way. So it is interesting. You and I, first of all, God gets our attention. Second of all, he instructs us. Third of all, he gives us a specific assignment. Fourth, he gives us the power to do the assignment. And then he says, go. So they responded and they helped Saul along the way. There's been dedicated devoted, dedicated disciples in your life that have come alongside at different times. Maybe it was a season of time to help you stay within the rails, to help you on your way to do the assignment that God has given you. So, uh, out of trouble. So I, I call this part out of the gate and then out of trouble. And the next part I call out of your mind because people were wondering he's out of his mind and anybody that believes this trick he's just a trick right he's just luring you in and he's going to take you off to jerusalem and okay so he brings along somebody else somebody we've heard of before verse 26 then when saul had come to jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they were afraid of him because they did not believe that he was a disciple understand that but Barnabas ah, you gotta love Barnabas right (laughs) Barnabas what what is what is the definition of Barnabas or what is he son of encouragement so out of all the people God sends along a specific man with a huge heart and I wonder if he was as big as he was huge in his heart and he just came and he loved on people. I wonder if Barnabas was that lover, just hugging people. No, it's going to be all right. We'll get through this. Don't you love people like that? Just They're, they're not going to cave to the fear, but they're just going to come alongside. So um, just pause for a moment. What are some words of comfort that people have used in your life? What are some words of comfort? And I understand for each of you, they've come from people that, You've received their comfort because you know that you love them. they love you and you love them. What are some words of comfort that have been used in your life? Just raise your hand if you have words of comfort. Yes. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. Come on. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. Glenn. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is with us. Yeah. Glenn, they just say three words, we got this. We got this. We got this. We including wow, uh, including God. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So far, we've heard, "Let's do this together." Right? Let, let, together. Yes, Glenn. Emmanuel, God Emmanuel, God is with us. Let me teach you about God being with us. Yes. Okay. Did you hear that? She said, for her, it's for somebody to say, I'm here or I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. Um, I've had it. Hang, in there. Hang in there. Okay. I've got your back. i uh, got your back. So some Let's of those. Okay. Let's pray about this. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yes, Keith. This, too <laughs> This too shall pass. <laughs> Woo. Can't wait. All right. Hang in there. Yes. Peace. Peace be with you. Yes, Marie. God's in control. I hear that from Ray every time I visit him. He said, I'm not sure what's happened. Right, John? He said, God's in control. I don't know why, but he is. All right. So, God has sent a Barnabas to help Saul at this tricky time in his life to say, no, 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 I, I'm i going to stand in the gap for him. Listen to his story because I believe it happened. Isn't that cool? And guess what? You are that Barnabas for people. You are that one because that really is evidence of the Holy Spirit to come alongside, right? The Holy Spirit, the comforter, one who comes alongside with the Holy Spirit in you is that one that comes alongside and says, hey, let's do this together. So, verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had uh, preached boldly at Damascus In the name of Jesus. So he's with them in Jerusalem, coming in and going out. So here's Saul, coming in and going out. It's like, okay, the disciples were convinced by Barnabas, I guess. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and disputed with the Hellenists. Those are the Greek-speaking Jews. Um, But they attempted to kill him. Man, man. So he's back in Jerusalem, where he came from, where he was gone with the papers. (laughs) Gee, Saul, quiet down. And in a way, God did kind of simmer him down just a little bit. He had some more instructing to do. But it says in verse 30, And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So it's like, okay, Saul, we need you over here. (laughs) Not sure how that all looked. Uh, But, verse 31. Then the churches throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. And were being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And they were multiplied. It was happening. The Holy Spirit was causing people to be awakened. And they were part of that. They were experiencing peace. And the fear of the Lord really is obedience. It's accountability to God. You know, ultimately, when you fear God, you're going to want to obey him. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, maybe I should obey what he's telling me. And the power to do it is the Holy Spirit. Peace. They were edified or built up the fear of the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Comfort. With the same, the God of mercy and the God of all comfort, the ways as he has comforted you, that you then turn and comfort others, right? That's the Holy Spirit in you and me. So, ABC, make it simple. If you haven't believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to make it simple for you. A stands for admit. Admit that you're a sinner and you need help. And the only way that you can be with God forever is that your sin needs to be erased by the blood of the Lamb. And as far as the East is from the West, you will remember it no more. Believing in Jesus Christ. You need to admit that you need help that's a cool starting place and we know that with everything and especially addictions I need to admit <laughs> I need help I can't do this I can't get over this I can't get around it I need God B is believe believe that Jesus is the answer he's the answer for all life and Jesus poured out and then he poured out the Holy Spirit for you and I to live this life Jesus Christ, him crucified and risen again, that he has the power and the authority. It's through Christ, the the doorway to life with God. And you know, that eternal life begins here if you believe in Jesus. If you're doing that today, you're admitting and you're believing in Christ, that he is your source of life forever. Eternity begins here because really, where God is, is eternal life. And his Holy Spirit then is promised to those who believe. And eternity starts the moment that you believe with him. So admit, believe, and confess. Confess Jesus as Lord. This is, again, the Holy Spirit work. When you confess boldly that Jesus is your Lord, he's the one that instructs you and gives you life.